Hello. Hi. Welcome to Basic Snitches. Hi. I'm Tara. I'm Adam. And today we're reading chapter 19, 19. of Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows. She's one of my favorite authors. And we don't have to find a weird nickname for her. So I hope y'all are looking forward to learning a little bit about how you can find the leader in you today. <laughs> It is time to acknowledge our patrons, and as always, you can join this list as well if you go to patreon.com slash basic snitches. For as low as $5 a month, you get exclusive content every week, and we have so much more at our $10 Quen level as well. And speaking of, uh, we have one of our Quens back. Nisi has returned. Uh, but in addition to Nisi, we have, of course have Ashley, Brittany, Jen, Mary Beth, Megan, Nicole, and Olivia. Uh, chapter 18. Yes. Of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows. Of Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Who won and lost? Yes, who won and lost? Hmm. Let me look into my psychic brain. I'm going to say that Rita Skeeter loses <laughs> and that Harry and Hermione duel won. Wow. Am I correct? You are so correct. We had some audio issues, so we had to re record <laughs> this first portion. But I am still psychic. Don't you forget it. Uh, shan't. But that makes a lot of sense. Rita is a shitty writer. And a shitty person. She really is not a good writer. No, at all. Not at all. Our things are better written than hers. Yeah, and we usually spend very few minutes writing them. <laughs> very few. <laughs> like you had said previously, <coughs> Harry and Hermione learned... Things. And so therefore win. Because yeah. otherwise, not a lot happened in that chapter. It was a little bit of, you know, yeah. a reset after some trauma, so... That was chapter 18. Yes! yes. Even though we had to re-record an intro today, both of us sent the respective things before we even started recording, so... We're so responsible. In some respect, we have our shit together. Someone marked it on the calendar, please. <laughs> Mark it on the calendar! Oh, this was the day that they did it. We did a thing. Alright, so I'm gonna read the thing <clears throat> that Tara wrote. Oh, also, uh, Tara has fucking chlamydia or something, so get ready for... <laughs> I'm gonna edit out as much of the coughs as possible. I'm trying really hard. Yeah. Whatever, Ricketts lady. Wow. Every time it's gonna be a different disease. I know. Did you guys know that chlamydia makes you <coughs> cough? Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> she was trying to cough so that I didn't reveal her secrets, but chlamydia makes you cough, apparently now. Alright, let's read this thing. I'd just like to say that the background crinkly noises are courtesy of Bentley <laughs> playing with the shark toy that he stole out of the shopping bag 20 minutes after I got home from buying it. So, Merry Christmas to Bentley. <laughs> Alright, the silver dough. After a night of uneasiness that someone was nearby, Hermione and Harry disapparate under the invisibility cloak and get the fuck out of there. They set up camp in the Forest of Dean, an old camping spot of the Granger family from when Hermione was younger. They set up their security, and after a few nights, while Harry is on watch duty, he sees a silvery light coming toward him. It looks like a Patronus, so it is definitely safe to leave the security of their tent. So Harry follows it through the woods. When it finally stops, he sees a frozen pool of water that has a silver cross in it. Upon closer inspection, when he sees that it's not a cross, it's the Sword of Gryffindor. He tries to summon it, but magic isn't easy, so Harry continues his brilliant streak and decides he's going to dive in and retrieve it. 
He undresses, <laughs> breaks the ice, and jumps in. Don't. He is having a tantrum of some sort. Don't encourage him. It's best to ignore him. The water is unsurprisingly freezing, and even worse than the severe cold is the sudden sensation that he's being choked to death. Yes, the idiot also didn't take the Horcrux off before diving in, so now it's trying to kill him. But before he can die in one of the stupidest ways possible, he's pulled out of the water, and surprise, Ron is here! After he saves Harry's life, they destroy the locket Horcrux together, Ron stabbing it with the sword after Voldy's bit of soul inside mocks him for his insecurities. They then go back to the tent where Hermione responds as expected, and the only reason there is no bloodshed tonight is because Harry casts a shield charm between his two best friends. And while Hermione is still seriously pissed, things seem 100% better with Ron back in the group. I agree, and Hermione will get over it. <laughs> I think this is a wonderful chapter. Maybe the best that we've seen so far in this book. I love this chapter. Me too. Yay! I like deers. At the beginning, and we actually later learn that it was probably Ron that they were hearing. It was, yes. Yeah. Hermione mentions actually hearing or seeing potential people. Now, it may have been Ron, but they still relocate, and he does kind of go through like, oh, I heard your voice through the thingy. <laughs> the... Deluminator. Yes. I feel like we need to come up with a nickname for that thing. The Fleshlight. He feels... The Fleshlight? Yes. I mean, Dumbledore would give his flashlight to Ron. He hears a voice coming from the flashlight. Yeah. And the little lips, he actually saw them open up and say, Ron Weasley. <laughs> Fucking creepy. Just like, that. Not creepy at Uncanny all. Valley, which, uh, <clears throat> keep Uncanny Uncanny Valley in mind for when we get to the movie portion. Jesus. Okay, because it's Uncanny Valley. He later goes on and says, oh, I heard the voice and then... All of a sudden, I didn't hear it, and so then I apparated. I can't tell if his journey to find them kind of corresponded with when they apparated. Because technically, she hears the voices, they clear up camp, then they apparate, and then Harry is on guard. So I don't know if, if the first people <clears throat> necessarily were Ron, or if it just happens to be a coincidence. Did I make any sense there? Yes, okay. and um, I think all of your questions are answered, so... That it yeah. was Ron. <clears throat> it was Ron. Yes, okay. Forest of Dean, so finally we are in Dean Thomas's realm. Right. I still don't know what he did in order to have a whole forest named after him, but... But we love him, so I'm supportive of this. Maybe we'll get into it in our game. <laughs> but we also have a callback to the blue flame. Yes, that Hermione's really good at. We haven't actually heard about that flame for quite a while. It's been a minute. I think that was like book three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think that was in a fuck Mary Kill. No. Who wouldn't marry or fuck that blue flame? That blue flame is a fucking icon. That blue flame is used to burning people's dicks off. <laughs> Especially because Hermione conjures it. She uses it like those birds. She th attacks people with birds and she burns people's dicks off with her little blue flame. A couple fun details there, but also it's worth noting that the sneakoscope is sitting there. And then for some reason... And it hasn't I gone off. It hasn't gone off, <clears throat> which is great. Uh, which that was, I guess, other supporting evidence for the voices that they heard or the people that they thought they saw was Ron. But it could have also been Snape. I mean, when they're in Forest of Dean, it could be Snape. But before they were okay. in Forest of Dean, 
It's not because Hermione is opening her bag. This is explained in the Prince's Tale. Hermione Wait. is opening her bag. Another tale for us to get things, things out. And our good friend Phineas Nigellus hears her say that they're in the Forest of Teen. And then Dumbledore's portrait is like, okay, go for it, Snape. Okay, so uh, somewhere in my notes, I'm sure I put this down, but I'm like, Phineas Nigellus is helping in the background yes. here. Which is quite nice because they have done a lot of thinking to make sure that Phineas Nigellus isn't like ratting them out. But in fact, there's things still happening in the background that are good for them. So, okay. And then for some reason, I also wrote down Harry's trauma from Godric's Hollow. Something happens here. His eye twitches or something. I don't know. I just guess I needed to reinforce that Harry has trauma. <laughs> what? Harry has I know, trauma? which I guess, like, do we really need to reinforce that? How much, many times have we talked about it? I don't know. Something might happen here. But whatever. Something happens. So Harry is uh, guarding his flock by night, by Jesus. however that goes. It's Christmas time. <clears throat> and he sees... The dough. They, like, draw it out, too. It's like there's a light. Oh, see, I'm sure. I literally wrote down the wow the dough shows up so fast. I mean, it does, but the way that it's described is very, like, drawn out. So it's, um, the bright silver light appeared right ahead of him, moving through the trees. Whatever the source, it was moving soundlessly. The light seemed simply to drift toward him. He jumped to his feet, his voice frozen in his throat, and raised Hermione's wand. He screwed up his eyes as the light became blinding. The trees in front of it pitch black in silhouette, and still the thing came closer. And then the source of the light stepped out from behind the oak. It was a silver white doe. To me, it felt like it was like, what is this? What is this? Oh, it's Patronus. Yeah, I think I would agree. I guess, like I always (coughs) like to ask rhetorical kind of questions of like, rhetorical isn't the right word. What do you think Harry thought it was? He thinks it's a Patronus. Like, there's no way that he does Yeah, Yeah, I think so. And well, you know, he sees the light and he's like, okay, I want to see what this is. And then it shows him. Because then I think that the next question is, what the hell is he thinking? Is like, okay, obviously there's another magic person. But the fact that it's a Patronus, like, it's going to protect him. Mm-hmm. That gives him the courage to go follow it. It looks at him and then it, like, runs away. And he's like, no, 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 don't, don't. And then he follows it. <laughs> yeah, because uh, speaking of trauma, it's my next note, too. I was really thinking about Harry's trauma when I was reading this chapter, apparently. Well, if you read this book, you're going to think about Harry's trauma. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. It's baked into yeah. it. So it's kind of similar to previously when I said Ron splinches after Ministry of Magic and then he continues to apparate. It's like, oh, my God, wouldn't that be like... Right. They just have this awful moment in Godric's Hollow and despite that trauma he still follows his instincts really here and follows the patronus and then yeah this is where i wrote uh like i imagine double's portrait with the help of phineas nigelis told where to deliver the sword if you know the end game here i think it's pretty easy to kind of like connect those dots Mm -hmm. and then obviously harry's like all right time to get nakey I should say, okay, he sees the sword. The way I made it out to sound is that he followed this Patronus and was like, I'm going to take off my clothes. I'm going to take off my clothes now. Yeah, so he's like, oh, what's this? Oh, look, it's a pool of water that's frozen. Oh, look, there's a sword in there. Oh, my God, it's the sword of Gryffindor. I need this. What? (laughs) Yes, but beyond that, I think if I were here, I'd be like, what the actual fuck? Out of everything that we could have thought... This is where it is. How ecstatic. Despite everything that you've been through and how tired you must be. Oh my fucking God. 
It's a miracle. Right. That's what this is. I mean, let's be honest. If that Patronus was Bathilda Bagshot's ass, could you imagine how fast he would have taken his clothes off then? <laughs> That's what my Patronus is. Fuck Pottermore. Fuck the magpie. My Patronus is the ass of Bathilda Bagshot. <laughs> my Patronus is my own ass. <laughs> Just like how Magana goes, Patronus is herself. Then he takes off all of his clothes. And I understand the, like, wanting to take off your clothes so, you know, you don't, you know, like... <laughs> yeah, period. I understand the wanting to take off your clothes. Let's so not be weighed down by all your clothes. But holy cow, like, reading it, I'm like, oh my god, I'm cold just reading it. Remember when we were like, those bitches aren't wearing any clothes. I know. Out in the cold. Well, now they really ain't wearing How clothes. are you not frozen to death? Oh Seriously. Basically, that's how he gets through the ice. He takes off his shirt and then cuts a circle with his nipples. And then, <laughs> and then goes in there. And then contrary to what he said in the last chapter, well, two chapters ago, about like, oh, maybe the Horcrux can tell that the thing is close that's going to destroy it because it had a ticking heartbeat. Harry found out real quick what it's like when it actually is close to the thing that will destroy it. Just kidding. This is what happens. Once again, in the movie, this could easily be in the top ten scariest moments of the entire... Right? I've seen this movie dozens of times, and I'm like, I'm still so upset. I mean, drowning is a very real thing. I'm sure that a lot of people have that fear. That is a terrifying fear. Water is scary when you think about it. Water is scary. People do not give water the respect it deserves. Can we say that louder for the people in the back, though? People do not give water the respect it deserves. I think we can probably say that about a lot of things. People don't give the forest the respect Mm -hmm. it deserves. People don't give outer space the respect that it deserves. People don't give me the disrespect that it deserves. All things that will absolutely kill you if you piss it off. And actually, obviously, we're not in the movie portion, but one thing that I was noticing, because Tara's like, this is terrifying, this is terrifying. I'm like, the hole was right there. Where's the hole? Go through the hole. Go through the hole. Go through the hole, guys. (laughs) Harry's drowning, essentially. He gets saved by his guardian angel. His guardian angel. And his guardian angel has red hair. Ron Weasley? And unfortunately, his clothes are on, so we can't tell once and for all if the carpets match the drapes. Harry's always wanted to know this about Ron. Unfortunately, he's still going to be guessing. Ron pulls him the fuck out. Yes. And I think that if I'm not mistaken, Ron is like, what the fuck were you thinking? Are you mental? Yes. Why the hell didn't you take that thing off before you dived? What the fuck were you thinking in Ron Weasley? Are you mental? Are you mental? Are you bloody mental? Yes. I kind of appreciate that that is how we are reintroduced to Ron here. We need to talk about our wins here. We have the sort of Gryffindor, Harry didn't die, and Ron is back. Yes. And Ron's first thing is like, why the fuck would you get in the water when wearing a Horcrux? I'm going to get more into like the things that we learn from Ron here. And while I continue to read this chapter and the next one, I found myself thinking like, Ron leaving was actually a good thing for them. It's very frustrating. It was absolutely frustrating. In fact, while re-listening to the episode that dropped this week which was our episode Godric's Hollow with Brian and Sarah. Sarah had even said at one point that she feels like Hermione would be the type of person who would want to talk about it when Harry says Ginny's aunt in reference to Muriel instead of Ron's aunt. And actually, if we look back at these last recent chapters, 
and I mean how she reacts in this chapter, she's absolutely distraught. If it were anyone else, sure, Hermione might be open to talking about it, but I think Hermione is heartbroken mm. from this. I think she is too. Which is important to think of like when she reacts to it because her feelings are just as valid. She has all the permission to be pissed at Ron and want to strangle him. But like the way that Ron comes back with all of this stuff, I am like, oh my God. I'm more glad for Ron to be back than I ever thought I would be. I mean, among the realistic things, because I mean, he is definitely the hero in this moment. What are the chances that he sees this Patronus? Obviously, Ron saw the Patronus too, we learned. Yes. He but he thought it was Harry. We see this Patronus that delivers you to the to the sort of Gryffindor. Harry almost kills himself in the process, but then Ron shows up. Lucky, 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 lucky Harry. Well, this is my thought. It's because the first time I read this, I was like, well, why didn't Ron, like, call out to Harry? And I was like, oh, Ron is actually exercising caution because, like, Harry's chasing this Patronus through the woods and who knows what's going on. And actually, there was someone else there and it was Snape. And if Ron hadn't been there, God, I fucking hope Snape would have dove in after Harry. Yeah. And then, like, fucking disappeared before Harry saw it was him. So at this point, Ron is, or, uh, sorry, Snape is, what if Snape's first name is, like, Ron? Is it a Severus? John Snape. John. <laughs> Larry. Uh, Larry Snape. <laughs> Larry. We go back in time Larry. and, like, well, I mean, if we're going to go back in time and try to change urinal cake's mind about things... The two things it would be is don't be a fucking turf and James Severus's name to Larry. I'm sure there's other things on my list. I, uh, that, that I'll continue to build it. As long as Severus That's going to be right at the top, though. <laughs> don't Larry. be a fucking bitch to trans people. Name Snape Larry. Fixed. It's all fixed. Everything is fixed. You ever <laughs> seen those memes that was like, what society would look like if boomers knew how to pronounce Chipotle correctly? Same thing. I would like to believe that Snape would stick around. Yes. Um, and witness this. He's like in the background, just yeah. kind of watching to make sure that the sword is retrieved. The, yeah, that they get the sword. And then here comes fucking Ron. Thank you, Ron. At the very least, the whole thing <laughs> of the prince's tale, I'll bring it up too, being so important. It's kind of a good thing that that didn't happen. And that Ron is here. Because obviously yes. like that ruins the <clears throat> entire rest of the book. So yeah, Ron pulls Harry out. Because he's a good guy. He certainly does pull him out. He does pull him out. I love the setup because he like looks at him with the sword and he's like, I'm assuming this is why you dove in there, you dumbass. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the other thing. It's just as much of a surprise for Ron. Oh my God, there's a Harry. fucking sword right there. Yeah. Very, very quickly. It's almost like they don't even have a chance to catch up or anything. Harry is like very insistent, like, Ron, this is yours Yeah, to, we to have break. to kill this and you get to do it. Which I think is amazing. I think that, if I recall, there's some wavering back and forth where one of them is probably like, no, you should do it, blah, 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 blah. There's a little bit of that. Because Ron is like, you don't understand. It affects me differently than you guys. Obviously, what it did was it found Ron's insecurities and capitalized on them. Exactly. So I don't necessarily think, oh, it just happened to like affect Ron differently. It would just be interesting to see... How it would affect, like, like what if Hermione was the one to leave? No, that would be insane. 
Like, they would be fucked. But I don't think it's out of the impossibility that, like, this could have happened to any of them. When we even see when they get back from Godric's Hollow, there's even, like, a divot in Harry's chest and stuff. It was a mix of everything that happened. I mean, at the very least, you could perhaps say Harry has had a lot of practice. (laughs) (laughs) Even if he isn't employing occlumency or the occlumency isn't working or whatever, he's had practice. And Hermione is very intelligent. She probably takes care of her mental health. I mean, we've seen plenty of evidence for that, too. Ron is just more susceptible in this moment. But this is also exactly why previously when he left, I did not take points away because I knew that it had something to do with this. And, like, Ron even owns up to it to a certain level. And then when they end up opening the Horcrux, which Mm -hmm. part of me is like, can you imagine if this thing, like, accidentally opened at any time? Right. Holy fucking shit. What kind of havoc it would wreak? But we see firsthand probably the stuff that he was hearing in his head. I mean, to me, like, seeing what he sees, like, these apparitions of Harry and Hermione saying these things, and once again, we'll get into the movie. If you're hearing that in your own head, when it comes to things like meditation, your own thought, like, first of all, you're not your own thoughts, you're Mm -hmm. not your own feelings, those sort of things. It is sometimes really hard to discern those things that you have picked up from other people as you, you, your own thoughts. A hundred percent. Or I your think, own intuition, even. And I think it's really vulnerable of Ron to just say that to Harry. I'm not making excuses. I'm literally just telling you about myself. And that's very mature, honestly. Mm-hmm. Vulnerable is a good word for it, too. And it's also maybe extra difficult for him knowing that he's saying that to Harry, who he knows has suffered tremendous traumas. There's something to be said about people who have not experienced significant visual trauma for the world and like how they feel they're like not allowed to have those moments to care for themselves. Yeah. To be open about their own emotional distress and things like that. And of course we talk all the time, like Ron has lived a fairly privileged life. Mm-hmm. On the outside, you go, Ron is nothing to be complaining about. And while on the outside that is fairly true, you have to understand that we all have different emotional battles that we're fighting. Mm-hmm. And while Ron's parents love all of their kids and they care for all of their kids, whether or not Molly and Arthur are purposely making him feel a certain way, which he feels a certain I can't way. I can imagine that happening. No, and know. they and they absolutely are not, you know, but he that doesn't make his feelings less valid. And exactly. I, and I think that that's really a big thing is that not only is he comparing himself to Harry and like everything Harry can do and how powerful and popular and everything Harry seems, it's also he's suffering too and like how dare he complain about his own suffering when Harry has and that's not the world that we should be living and that's not where we are and so taking a minute to say that to your friend and being like this affects me that is raw courageous openness Mm. right there yes and I do really want to focus on what you said about like yes Molly and Arthur are lovely they're not without their flaws we have talked about that as well but I don't think they would ever purposefully make Ron think that way Mm -mm. But I think a lot of folks in our generations, and I say that because I think that this is something that spans Gen X to Gen Z. I think a lot of people are looking at, this is the trauma that my parents gave me. Mm -hmm. And you see a lot of things about how, like, oh, well, we tried our best, and we put food on the table, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you may have tried your best, but you still gave trauma. Nobody Mm -hmm. is perfect. Mm -hmm. You saying that, oh, we tried our best, and that's that, that is sort of a perfectionistic mindset. 
despite doing the best, you're not perfect. And you no. did make mistakes in raising your children. I'm trying to make this as, like, open as possible. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to anyone in particular. But it's like, you also have to recognize that. Because then you're putting that pressure back on your kids. Yes. And so in this instance, yes, Ron had this trauma. It's a very real trauma. A lot of people who read this series probably can't relate to Harry's. But we can relate to Ron's. We can relate to Hermione's in some Mm -hmm. cases, too. So I think it's really important. It does take a lot of courage. And then the final big kind of, like... (laughs) It's not nail in the coffin because it's a good thing. (laughs) But in, like, understanding Ron's point of view is... We see, point blank, what he has witnessed. I said Uncanny Valley earlier. Let's say that, like, what... How they depict it in the movie is pretty true to life. And... Speaking on one of our previous Patreon things, I had even said, like, wow, this is one of the things that I wish I could unsee from the movies is when they make out and stuff, the apparitions of Harry and Hermione. But while these apparitions are talking to Ron, in the movie at the very least, they have completely dead eyes. It is Uncanny Valley 100%. And to me, I think almost seeing that, rather than him hearing it in his head, who knows, this may have gone through Ron's mind too, that right there shows me, like, this is fucking fake. That is very clearly not Harry and Hermione. And right. Harry's in the background screaming, like, don't listen to them, don't listen to them. And even, like, looking at Ron's face, I can almost imagine him being like, yeah, this is absolutely bullshit. Well, this is not my friends. There's something to be said about it being visual to Harry as well. Uh, yes, 100%. For, for Ron to be just so emotionally strapped at that point that the Voldy soul can do that and now it's like out here in the open and Harry is seeing that and that's another place that like Ron can't control that now now Harry has seen this too I think it's a huge step for the two of them and their friendship it isn't just that they destroyed a piece of Voldemort's soul Mm -hmm. everyone's friendship with Harry has been about Harry whether or not Harry intends that to be it that's what it is and so he literally has a fucking quest he has to I suppose. I mean, you could very well say, like, we're seeing this through Harry's eyes. And so that's why. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that, too. But, like, this is a time where it's very clearly about The focus is on Ron, yeah. Once again, I remember this as being kind of drawn out and almost like a battle. There was something... Oh, it was the wedding. I also remember the... And I feel like it's still Lego Harry Potter. Lego Harry Potter is, like, coloring my memories in a way that I didn't expect. But I kind of remember this being longer, but it really is very quick how they destroy it mm-hmm. very efficiently. And, yeah, that's that. Um, <laughs> They're down at Horcrux. Because, really, the only other things that I have are about when they go back and see Hermione. Just a couple little things. Just, again, like I had said in my thing, how it's nice to have Ron back. How them just walking back to the tent together... You know, how it says that he felt like he'd traveled pretty far, but Mm. we felt like nothing with Ron by his side. Yeah. The step that their friendship took in that process. Right. I think that's a good precursor for for when we see Hermione, because Hermione's (sighs) glad to see Ron back. She is, but she also has feelings. And (laughs) those feelings are like, when we talk about people's feelings being valid, I mean, absolutely 100%. Like I said previously, she was clearly heartbroken by Ron leaving. It was a mm-hmm. big thing for her, and for him to come back in, even though it was all the good stuff, and you want Hermione kind of to, like, slow down, look at all the positives here of what has happened, but let her get this out of her system, because, I mean, yeah, there's at- no way that she is un- unjustified. 
in how she responds exactly it's almost nice that when they walk back you can see how glad harry is too but Mm -hmm. apparently harry doesn't want to fuck around that bad because (laughs) hermione is like you can really tell that hermione is the one who wants to fuck him the most (laughs) in her emotion like truly i know i'm making a joke here but i think that that is really really true and this is also where we learn a little bit more about the flashlight the whole thing of, like, hearing Ron's name. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the power of names, too. I mean, that is very much a theme. I think there's something in the next chapter, but Ron also does confirm that... <coughs> what's it called? The... The Illuminator? No, no, no. The whole... The, the, mm. the, the, the Voldemort's name is jinxed, but there's a name. The Taboo. The Taboo. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. So that's another thing that comes up. And Harry's and like, oh, no, here. I don't have a problem saying He's like, don't you dare. <laughs> yeah. Ron was right about this all along, and now it's confirmed. And then, of course, the other huge thing here, like, yes, all the things that Ron learned since departing them, the taboo, mm-hmm. the way that the Deluminarior works, the fact that he has these wands, like, if Ron hadn't and stolen these wands and gone to Godric's Hollow with them, <clears throat> I mean, first of all, that's a third person. Someone may have died Yeah, in Godric's Hollow. And Harry's wand still broke, now he has back, like... Just everything about Ron coming back, there's so much positives to it. They just need to, like, get their emotions out, get through it. Can we talk about that it's chapter 19 of the final book and someone finally has an extra wand? That All this true. time, we're like, why don't we have backup wands? Well, and I've also <clears throat> said, too, it has definitely felt in so many cases like two steps forward, one step back. This feels like we took four or five steps forward. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so major in so many ways. A lot of the things that we've been talking about and a lot of the things that we lost about Ron in these last two chapters, he comes up and he makes up for it in so many ways, so. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, at the end, when Harry's like, about the best you could hope for. Yeah, said Ron, could have been worse. Remember those birds she said on me? I haven't ruled it out, said Hermione. Or, what was the other thing that we said that she does? <clears throat> Set people on fire with no. the blue flames. Oh. oh, yeah, with the, well, was it with the blue flame, or? Burn their dick off with the blue flame. It was burn their dick off, that's yeah. what it was. Yes, thank you for reminding Yeah, like, you think do what I can. And that's a good segue into our game, which is Wrong Answers Only! <laughs> So you got a little bit of a head start there by giving me a wrong answers only that I guess I technically came up with earlier, but thank you. Are you ready to play? I absolutely am. Okay. Starting off, what did Dean do to have this whole forest named after him? Well, he was actually a really, really good Care of Magical Creatures student, and he became really, really close friends with a boat truckle. And he started this whole like foundation to save a forest. Save the boat truckles. Save the boat truckles oh, in oh. their forest. Okay. Um, and this was the one forest that he his foundation benefited, and so they named it after him. Wow, a philanthropist at the age of seventeen. That's our dean. Actually, the other right answer is that his family probably Muggleborn. We don't really know. But his family is the most renowned Muggle family of loggers. Oh. And they own a lot of forests. And they were like, let's name this one the Forest of Dean because we ain't never going to chop this one down. Next, how did Snape get that sword underneath an icy lake? Like, it trapped there underneath ice. Like, he obviously just didn't go sploosh. He had to get that underneath the ice. Magic. <laughs> no. That is unacceptable. That is the one unacceptable <laughs> answer in this game. Uh, no. Actually, that's like his favorite place to hang out is the Forest of Dean and this pool. 
is actually not a pool of water. Snape's favorite place to hang out mm -hmm. is the Forest of Dean? Yeah. Okay. This is where he does all of his experimental potions. And that's not a pool. It's actually a giant cauldron that he has like made look like a pool. But it's actually a giant cauldron where he does all of his potions. I and it's actually not frozen water. It's a frozen potion. Well. That you can't break with an ASIO. The rest of the answer is that he's actually, like we all been new, Snape a frosty bitch. So that was a non-frozen pond previously because... Uh, it just was, I don't know, it, yes, I know it's winter, but it was just a normal pond, and he came over and he just splooshed in there, and then um, he whipped it out and peed all over that pond, and his frosty bitch exterior made that lake freeze. Make it freeze, like, sploosh, he splooshed it sploosh. into that pond. Yep. <clears throat> that is has caused a lot of issues at Hogwarts, because every time Snape got a whiz, he fucks up the plumbing at Hogwarts. Damn it, Snape. With his frozen pee. Asparagus pee is so much better. Anyways, what's that light that goes into... Wait, where? Okay, at some point, I think a light went into Ron's Deluminator. We didn't really talk about he it. He clicked on the Deluminator, the light came out, and then it went into his chest. Yes! What's that? <coughs> what is that light? That light is Ron's memories of all two of the times he ever was recognized for something in Hogwarts and he holds on to it everybody he can. Oh my god, so it's kind of like a Patronus because it's all your good memories. Yes. That is half true, but the second half of that is that that light also represents his higher self and so when it went into his chest, that's how he knew how to find them because he just trusted his intuition. Not a funny answer, but That's probably, literally the answer. Probably. From the book, <laughs> kind of. Whatever, no, that's that's not what the book said. Wrong answers only. My answer is correct because it was wrong. Don't, don't try to turn the fucking rules on me, bitch. Next question. <laughs> How did the Snatchers confirm that Ron was Stan Shipwreck? Because that's another thing that we didn't really talk about, is that he said that he was Stan Shipwreck. Well, they don't actually know who Stan Shunpike is, but the last person that they kidnapped looked kind of like Ron, and they said their name was Ban Tunpike. I don't know. And they're like, this would be his twin. Ban? <laughs> I just gave up. The name is Stan. Yes, but that's his twin. You didn't couldn't choose the name Dan? No, I said Ban. Ban is not a name. What I'm sorry that this is wrong on What if me, what that, if it is? That is a wrong name. <laughs> that is not okay, no. That is What a, if it is? It's you could have used Dan, you could have used Jan, you could have used I didn't, because that's not the first thing that came out of my mouth. And I felt pressured to answer quickly. The first thing that came out of Terry's mouth. <laughs> a story about Dicks, probably. Never. Um, anyways. Never. Actually, the answer is that Among Snatchers was Stanchion Pike's like a bestie. The problem is, though, you know, the world is crazy, so he hasn't seen his, his best friend for a while. But luckily, when Ron left the campsite, he left all of his moisturizer and his like face wash and all of that because Ron is known for having like the best skin at Hogwarts. So in that short period of time, and he's just like eating, you know, mushrooms and shit, he broke out so much. He was wearing a hat because it's cold outside and so he saw his red hair. And his like best friend was like, oh my God, I barely recognized you. But yes, can tell because your face looks... Really bad. Oh, God. 
Next. Jesus. And final. We saw what the locket in the diary do. What that crown and chalice do, bitch. We kind of talked about this in the regular part of the episode, but what happens if somebody like drinks out of the cup? Well, if you drink out of the cup, you actually are not able to swallow and then you just die. So you don't spit it out? No, you can't. So it like shuts your lips too? It basically like you drink, but you can't swallow it, so it chokes you to death. It's we, pretty fucking evil. We need to get Sarah to drink out of this cup, because that's the only way that we can keep her lips shut. Sorry, Sarah, her, so. but the only solution to get you to be quiet is death. It's death. For the cup, my answer is that if you drink out of it, whatever was in the cup turns into people. I mean, here's the thing. It's a fraction of the soul less than the locket. I feel like you drinking that cup, instant death, <laughs> that is pretty pretty major. So I think it, more likely it's just that you drink some pee-pee and it's kind of gross. Unless you're into that thing. Maybe you're lucky and it's asparagus pee. What about the crown? Crunch. Let's see how many times I can mention asparagus pee. <laughs> well, if you put the Ravenclaw's diadem on your brain, on your brain? On your brain? brain. brain. You're going to cut the cranium off of your skull (laughs) and then put it on. Just put it right on your brain. Okay. (laughs) No, when you put put on uh, Ravenclaw's diadem, it actually attaches itself to your skull forever. Like, um... Once again, (laughs) these are like low-level horcruxes and you are making them really intense. (laughs) Go on. It attaches itself to your yeah, head. Yeah, but you can't get rid of it. It's just there forever. It's, it's like there a, forever? It's like a fucking tick in your arm. You're close. Burrowing into your scalp. Please do not talk to me about that. That is very disgusting. <laughs> the actual answer is you put that on and it fucks up your hair. You're sort of right. It kind of like digs into like all your hairs. Mm-hmm. But like it's just hair. Like you can cut it off. You could shave your head and then the diadem will be like irritated with you. But you'll be fine. Okay. But it do fuck up your hair. Like 87% of the people in history who put that diadem on after it was a horcrux turned into a Karen. Movie? Um, yes, but before we go to the movie, I have one last thing to say, and that is asparagus pee. The movie. So I already talked about how Ron and Hermione are like uncanny. You know what I mean when I say uncanny valley, right? Yes. I mean, it looks like them, but it is very clearly not no. human. Yeah. Other than that, to be perfectly honest, and the movie does this, I think it's totally correct for the movie. Like, Harry's out keeping watch. There's no passage of time. He, like, immediately sees it. But I truly think the movie does an absolutely fantastic job for this chapter. I think it does a pretty good job. You can't see the sword very easily. Yeah, I would agree with that. Let me just wipe. Oh, look, there's a sword. But, you know, it is what it is. Daniel Radcliffe looks fucking hot. He does have, like... Little shoulder muscles, doesn't he? I was like, look at you. They're little soldiers. They're little soldiers. Yeah. Period. I have nothing else to say. (laughs) Pause. Pee. Asparagus pee for you to drink. (laughs) Yum, yum, yum. Yum, yum. It's just the theme of today. (laughs) do. I don't know. Rupert Grant is so good. His acting in this scene especially is so good. I, I didn't really focus on the acting, but I think maybe that says everything yeah, needs to be said. I think, like, I think it does, yeah. I do think that the scene, when Ron comes back, it's all perfect. Well, okay. I will say the one thing, and maybe this is because when I read this, I was reading into Ron kind of trying to like be more cheerful, kind of counteract. Ron knew that they were going to be pissed when he yeah. returned. He's not completely stupid, No, okay? no, no, no. 
He's not crabbing <clears throat> the whale. <laughs> but, like, he knew, in the book, I kind of read him as being a little bit more cheerful and optimistic. But you kind of get more of that in the next chapter in the movie anyways. I do love, though, when they come back and Harry's like, Hermione, and she's like, what's wrong? And he says something like, um, nothing, actually. I've got something actually good. Actually, this is really cool. And she's like, uh, what the fuck? Well, no. Ron says, hey. Yeah. <laughs> and then Hermione, the way that she marches right up to him. Oh, yeah. And she movie, throws yeah. leaves <laughs> at him. It is amazing. It's so like, good. The exchange between the three of them. Everything about Ron coming back is amazing. We all knew it was going it's to be, It's a nice but... breath of fresh air. Yeah. I will say one thing that I kind of liked that they did in the movie was when Harry asks, this is before they go back to Hermione, he asks Ron, why are you here? And Ron's like, I don't really know. The first one I saw, I didn't like that. And then yeah. I was like, I actually do, because it does make sense for there to be especially with the pacing of the movie and how we're cutting out all of the discussion that happens in the book. Having Harry take a second to be like, why are you here? And seeing the like hesitation of being like, this is the thing I was supposed to do. Because that's really what Ron's doing. He knew that this is what he was supposed to be doing. The second after he left, I kind of liked it. I wasn't sure how I felt about it the first time I saw it. I think the biggest thing to me, and I said it when we were watching it, I wish that they would acknowledge that at that moment that Ron also saved his life. Because he says it in the book. He tells Hermione Ron saves his life, but when they go back, he doesn't tell her that. I do think that there is something missing there. Even if the line was delivered in a different way or something, like, he just saved your life and you have the sort of Griffin. That's the other thing we have to remember with everything, and I think that's why I like this scene when they go see Hermione and Hermione, like, comes at him and calls him an ass and everything. Because we also need to remember <laughs> through all of this that they are still friends. They have six and a half years of history at this point. It's not that Ron had a tantrum and left and it's changed everything forever. Yeah. Like, I've already mentioned some of it, but like, as we'll learn in the next chapter, there's even more good things that run us back. So, overall though, I think it's very rare when I'm like, the movie did a pretty outstanding job. Yeah, the movie does. Did. Points are very simple. Yes. Plus 30 to Ron. I'm a big Ron fanboy right now. With him returning, there's so many positives to him coming back. And plus 20 to Harry and Snape, because Snape was there. He put that little sortie in the water. Yes, yeah, Harry it in there. He splooshed it in there. <laughs> and then Harry splooshed himself in there, and he almost died, but he didn't. He's the sort of Gryffindor now, so. Very positive chapter. Points for everyone. Yay! Next time. Next time we'll be discussing chapter 20. Cetophilius Lovegood. Yeah. That guy. That guy. Do you then, friends? Yeah, I think that guy is just a suitable way to talk about I'm like, let's not fuck him yet, but also let's not fuck him yet. Fair. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Gorkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. 
We out. <laughs>